Bibles to Acts chapter 4. So for quite a number of months, uh, I and Pastor Gina along with me, but primarily I have had this growing conviction, you know, I really should do some teaching about um, finances and how Christians interact with money. So finances in the kingdom of God. And um, I just haven't because I've not wanted to be that pastor that talks about money. Um, and that, really that's just a negligence on my part the Lord convicted me of, um, that I need to be faithful to his word. And wouldn't you know it, his word has an awful, awful lot to say about money. Probably because it's a reflection of our hearts, also says his word. So uh, we prayed, Lord, where would that fit? And... Um, We were originally going to do that before the series on Acts, but then just had this, as we looked ahead, wow, there's these texts in Acts that talk about uh, Christians and money. And so we're going to do a little four-part series here. There's two texts in front of us that um, deal with with giving or handling money, and then we're going to add two to that. So let me just say what's coming. I'm going to preach this morning on generosity in the kingdom of God. Next week, we'll talk about integrity in giving. After that, we'll talk about tithing. What is it? Do Christians still do it? This idea that in the Old Testament, God told people, his, his, his um, followers, that they, they ought to give 10%, the first 10% of whatever they earned um, to the Lord. So we'll talk about that tithing, and do we still do that? And then the last week, we'll talk about cheerful, faith-filled giving. So I just really expect that God is going to um, strongly encourage us in the area of our finances and um, their their relationship to our hearts as we're following Jesus and seeking first his kingdom. So, let me, as I, I'm going to read, uh, our text is Acts 4, 32 to 37. But I'm going to read starting with verse 31 because I think it's really important to hear or be reminded of what came first. After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. That's a sign of submission and trust. And it was distributed to anyone as he or she had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The word of God. That's the first time we're going to hear the name Barnabas, but it's not the last. Um, He's mentioned many times throughout the New Testament, and it's just a great encouragement to the church. So I've got a piece of paper here. And um, I thought that I just prepared 
had that anyone who wanted to could just come up and um, sign the title of your the house or your apartment or your vehicles over to <laughs> everyone's going oh my <laughs> he's crazy <clears throat> um, oh that's good Vic said how about if we sign ourselves over you already did remember when you remember when I took you up here and I said come now down into the death of Jesus Christ and you said it's going to get real dirty in here and then you came up out. So in, in the Heidelberg Catechism, we say, what's your only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul, everything that I have, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you. Thank you for raising that. That's going to come back up. Um, let's pray. Lord, I just really sense that um, this topic uh, creates both joy and anxiety in our hearts. And so I pray that as you speak to us about giving this morning, that we would have ears to hear you and what you're saying. And I pray that you just give us the grace to trust that when you speak to us about things and about finances, that your plans for us are always good, full of goodness. And that you would give us the grace to, I think, just relax and relax our grip on things and... um, and speak to us about your desire and your intent as we follow you and as we seek your kingdom. So speak, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. A number of years ago, there was um, an HBO miniseries on called The Band of Brothers. Anybody remember this story? Yeah? Okay, so uh, for those of us who have not heard of it, um, it's it's based on a book by the same title, which is a true story, and it's the it's the story of a, a company of soldiers, parachute, a regiment of paratroop, parachute. How do you say this? Parachute, paratroopers, paratroopers, paratroopers in World War II, and so they're called Easy Company, and uh, 506th Battalion of some some something number and. It's long and confusing to me, but Easy Company is the name of this, this group of guys, okay? And so this story uh, remembers and watches them from the day they get to, uh, what do you call this? Where, where you do your training? Boot camp. Thank you. Boot camp. We're going to preach together this morning. You're going to fill in the parts that I don't have. Boot camp. So this group of guys gets together at boot camp, and they don't know each other. And the story follows them, 10 episodes, from boot camp all the way across the ocean to um, the, the drop on D-Day when the Allies are dropping thousands of soldiers even as, the, uh, as they're storming the beaches of uh, Normandy at Utah Beach. And then it follows this, this one group of guys, this regiment, for 11 months as they journey across France and um, into Germany, and as they make their way to eventually topple the Third Reich, the Nazi Reich. And so you follow them from boot camp, where they don't even know each other, all the way to when the Japan and Germany capitulate at the end of the war. And the, the, it's, uh, so I watched it. It's quite realistic, and um, it's, it's full of the horrors of war. I mean, it is, it is brutal. So... Um, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg wanted you to see what it was like 
for this group, and so they, they didn't really hold back. I mean, you see people dying, you experience death and injury, you experience the, the horrors of war, you see them um, come upon a, 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 one of the camps, what do you, the concentration. concentration camps at the end of the war, just brutal. And um, despite the series being just covered in the brutal and um, depictions of what evil can look like, it was immensely popular. People tuned in by the millions to watch this. It ended up winning Emmy Awards, Golden Globe Awards for the best miniseries of the year. And so as I watch that, and I watch so much evil sort of played out, and I, and I see people attracted to that, and the winning of awards, and I say to myself, now, what in here is so attractive to people? What kept me watching it? And what I think it was, was not all of that, but underneath that, the story of a group of men who became brothers. A group of men who were diverse, who were from all over the country, who didn't know each other, didn't like each other at first, and who the te- through the, the journey and the telling of the story actually get brought together. And there's this compelling, deep love and unity where they end up at the end, literally, they would take a bullet for each other. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. Actually, they interview the real characters and they intersperse them at the beginning of each episode. And so you see just how much they, their hearts are still banded together. A picture of um, unity and love and purpose. A group of men who weren't just banded together just for the sake of loving each other, but who were actually bent on eradicating and overcoming the evil that was in front of them. So connection or love and purpose. And I think why that drew so many people in to watch it is because that's what we're made for. We are made to be connected, meaningfully, deeply known and loved in community. This is what it means to be made in the image of a three-person God who is one. We are made for this. And we're made not just to be connected, but to have purpose. And this is what I think is happening in this text this morning that's so beautiful. Everything in this text flows out of this one statement at the beginning of verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They were one. There was such a deep unity of love and of purpose. And um, Luke goes on to write about this generosity. And then he talks about the power with which they were testifying. And then he talks about generosity again. And I think it's no mistake that in the middle of this stuff about generosity, he's going on about how the gospel keeps spreading. Because in a world that's fractured and divided and hurting, how compelling is it when you've got a group of people that are one in heart and mind? This is beautiful. I mean, this is the beginning of the fulfillment to what Jesus prayed just days earlier, the night of his death. Listen to this. The heart of God. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. 
that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And it's happening. It's happening. God has birthed a new reality on earth through Jesus Christ and those who are following him. There is a new human family and it's happening. And it's beautiful. And the great danger for all of us sitting here this morning would be to look at that and to say, not only is that beautiful, but we need to do the same thing. That would be dangerous. Why would that be dangerous? Why would it be dangerous for us to say we need to copy them? It would be dangerous because nobody's telling them to do it. It would be dangerous for us to say we ought to do it because nobody's telling them they ought to do it. It's not prescribed. There's no law. Nobody's compelling them to do this. And so if we jump over and miss why are they doing this, or if we don't step back and ask what is underneath this, why would these people be selling their houses and their property because this is not a good retirement plan? Why are they doing this? If we just jump over to hey, this is really beautiful. There's this group of people that are really unified and um, they're really generous and they take care of each other. We should do that. We should do that because they're doing it here. We would miss the fact that this is not prescriptive, it's descriptive and it's descriptive of something that's happening. And so we need to say to ourselves, what is that something that's happening? What is it? What's really going on underneath this that is causing these people to go, hey, you know what? I can do without this land. You've got a need. I'm going to sell my land. Here it is. Here you go. And um, I have such deep trust in you as leaders. I'm just going to put the money at your feet. I'm going to let you disperse it. What's going on? What? What? What's going on? You remember, I want to say four weeks ago, when I preached that sermon on the... uh, Peter and John healing Derek at the gate, the temple gate beautiful. And we talked about the movement. God always moves toward us out of love and compassion. And we had demonstrating the love and the compassion of the father sending the son and the son as the authorized representative. And then he sends his disciples out into the world as authorized representatives. Remember that? That God just came inside these people. He just came inside them. He just put his spirit, he just put himself inside these human beings. And so what happened is 
They are getting caught up in the Spirit, that same Spirit who moves the Father to send the Son to the world, who's got amazingly generous, self-giving love, and the same Spirit that moves the Son to give up everything and come to the world and go to death, counting it all as nothing, in order that he could demonstrate the love of God, the generosity, the compassion of God for the world, he just put his spirit in them. They just got filled with the spirit of God. They got caught up in the river, as it were. So in the Old Testament, Ezekiel has this prophecy about a river of God that's going to come and fill the temple. We're the temple. And Revelation has this picture at the end about a river that's for the healing of the nations. It's got trees on both sides. And the river in Scripture is the Holy Spirit. And the river of the Holy Spirit has just filled and come into the body of Christ. And the river is full. And that river is carrying the body of Christ out into the world with healing for the nations, but also with the love of Jesus Christ. The same love that took him to a cross. The same love that said, I'll give everything. That's what's filling these believers. Wasn't a good retirement plan for Jesus either. But he said, I trust the Father that when I give myself I'll be raised from the dead. That in his hands, I'm taken care of. That spirit filled the disciples and they've been caught up in the river of God's love. Now, um, there's something I want to say about this. And I've been wanting to say it for a long time, so I'm really excited. When Pastor Jalisa welcomed us this morning, she gave the greeting and she said, may the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, or the other way around, Okay, but that this part and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I, I think that when we say the word fellowship, we mean like what we do after church where we talk to each other and we have some food to eat and maybe it includes some prayer. Like being together and having companionship. But when the Bible uses the word fellowship, this is what it means. Covenant partnership that that um, has inside of its meaning intimacy intimate covenant partnership so when we say to you may the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you this is what it means may the intimate covenant partnership that you've been called into because you got brought into the body of christ and he put his spirit in you be with you. In other words, the Holy Spirit isn't just someone who comes in and um, cleanses and heals and fills us. He's someone sent from God with a mission in this world. He is restoring all three things. Acts chapter 3. In Revelation 21, it says he's making all things new. We know that when Jesus comes back, the earth will be filled with the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is doing a work on earth. And so to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to be called into intimate covenant partnership, is to be filled and thrust into that work in the same way that Jesus did. Because it's Jesus' Spirit inside of us.
So that's what's happening to these disciples. And because it's Jesus' spirit that's filling them and catching them up and, and um, at work in them, they're obeying Jesus' commands to do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up treasures in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus' reign, and his righteousness. And all of these things that you need, they will be given to you. They'll be added to you. Because it's the Holy Spirit, it's producing the fruit of Jesus' life. Jesus' trust of the Father. Jesus' willingness to give generously beyond human definition of generosity. So what do I think this means for us? I think it means we get to ask a few really simple questions. What spirit is primarily motivating and um, shaping our giving, our generosity? Sometimes I think when I evaluate my own my own heart and life and the way that I've given in the past, I think, and, and maybe I think I'm not the only one, I hope, I think that sometimes we have a preordained idea about what's necessary and what a financial plan ought to be. And so we make a plan based on that. And we have got real different life circumstances here, so our plans would be different from each other. But we make a plan and then we um, we go okay God now what now you, now how do you want to direct what's left? Now that I've paid for all these things that I need, or want or whatever it is, like how do you want to direct what's left? And Vic reminded us at the beginning that we belong to the Lord. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. And so can the Lord you? Can the Lord, is everything that we have at his disposal? Right. Well, we say it's his, but allowing him to move us to do something that doesn't make sense? Is that, like, are we listening? Is that even within the realm of possibility? Could it be that Jesus would call us to sell our house or one of our cars like, is this even within the realm of possibility? Do we even think, you know what I mean? So we, I think we need to just reevaluate. Are we really open to God being able to direct us in, in our finances in any way? And this isn't an oppressive thing. It's a liberating thing. Okay, and let me tell you a story to give an encouragement and show why. Um, Brad Long writes a story in one of his books, and I love it, because I've been um, to Jesus Abbey in South Korea, you you sent me there three years ago. So Brad was there with uh, Archer Torrey, who began Jesus Abbey. And Archer had to go and be at a conference. And he said, Brad, come with me. And so on the train, on the way to this conference, Archer explains to Brad the, the Abbey's out of money. They live by faith. And they're out, like completely out. Like, we don't know where our next meal's coming from when we get back. So you need to pray with me. So they pray together on the train. And they get to this conference and uh, they're on the second day of the conference, and Brad sees this woman scuttle over to Archer and hand him this stack of bills. 
And so he's just elated, and they talk about it, and Archer's elated, and God's provided. And then later that afternoon, another woman gets up, up a missionary, and starts talking about some um, ministry that she's got. I think it was to orphans, if I remember correctly, and they're, they're out of money. And um, would you all pray with me that God would provide? And Brad writes that, I didn't know what was going on, but throughout the whole rest of the day, I saw Archer get really restless and fidgety and um, squirmy and as I watched him I saw him finally at the end of the day go up to this woman and take the wad of cash that had been handed to him and give it to her and I thought are you crazy you just told me that the abbey is out of money so the next day rolls around and midway through the day, another woman comes up to Archer and, again in Brad's eyesight, hands him a stack of 10,000 won bills that's four times as thick as the one he'd gotten two days previous. And the Lord provides, and Archer and Brad are on the train on the way home, and they're debriefing this, living by faith and um, kingdom economy and brad says i'm so thankful for brad's honesty he says to archer why did you give that first set of money away you need that that was foolish and um archer says back to brad oh brad you don't understand if i hadn't given that first one i wouldn't have gotten the second Sometimes we miss out on the blessings that God wants to give us because we hold too tightly onto what he's already given us. When there are people all around us, kingdom, causes, ministry, whatever it is, needs, that God wants to move on us to generously give. But because it doesn't fit our frame of reference, maybe we grew up, thinking that you, you, give, you try to give 10% to the church and maybe a little bit more here and there. Maybe we um, have just come to Christ and we don't have very much money at all. But whatever it is, we've got a frame of reference and, um, and we just hold tightly onto that. And in God's kingdom economy, the grace of the Lord Jesus that gives everything and then says to us, Nothing can separate you from my love, and my love includes providing for you and your needs, frees us to just release control over our finances, over everything that we have, and to entrust it to the Lord. And it's going to, what it will mean if you follow Jesus in this regard, is that He's going to call you to take steps of faith that will indeed require faith and that will look humanly foolish. Like we said, it's not a good retirement plan. For years I read this text and I did not understand. I'm just going to be honest. I thought to myself, well, this is really great, but they're going to run out sooner or later. Like, they gotta have, somebody's got to have a place to live in for every, all these people. And, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. But God's kingdom economy <laughs> means that you're working with a God who owns all things and moves on hearts and minds in ways that we can't. We can't 
possibly fathom. So let me close with this. I'm writing this sermon Friday afternoon, and I get a phone call. A Korean woman who I met in January, no, I met a couple years ago at Calvin and then in January in North Carolina. And she says to me, Pastor Dave, my husband and I, we have a home. And we're really thinking the Lord wants us to not sell it. We have two. We're really thinking he wants us to use it for prayer, like a prayer house. And so we're willing to take this step and be financially generous and just make this a place of prayer if it's the Lord. And so would you come and pray with us? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. I believe, I believe that as we, and not just we here, but all of God's people um, open ourselves up more and more to the spirit of Jesus working in the ways of Jesus, that we as a church will experience more of that phone call I just experienced, that we will experience people coming to us and saying, you know what, Gold Avenue, we noticed that you're dealing with housing needs a lot. We want to give you a house. Or we want to give some money so you can buy a house for transitional housing. You know what, Gold Avenue, we see that you've got... um, You've got dreams of not only housing, but maybe ministry training. And we believe got some, God's got something planned for your church. We're going to help you buy Lexington. Or we're going to help you buy that in partnership with other ministries or something. I just believe that God has a lot of financial generosity prepared for us. And it's not something we need to strive for. It's something that we're going to receive even like our brothers and sisters at the Bridge Street House of Prayer. You've experienced this, haven't you? Ten years ago, you started with a call to pray. And God has given buildings, whole buildings, houses for ministry. And all you did was pray and trust and take steps of obedience. So God is the same thing for us as a congregation, but he's got parts for each of us to play as individuals. Okay? And so... um, we're gonna, I'm just going to lead us into a time of prayer and then we're going to sing a song of response where we, si- we sing this song we've sung a few times before, I Give Myself Away. And um, I just pray that each of us can do that really joyfully with trust. Lord, I can give myself away um, because of the way that you've given yourself away. And I trust that. Let's pray.